Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. of the day is by Isadora Duncan. She was the founder of Modern Dance. She said, now I'm going to reveal to you something which is very pure. A total white thought. It blooms at each of my steps. The dance is love. It is only love. It alone and that is enough. I would like to no longer dance to anything but the rhythm of my soul. Hello everyone, my name is Addie Hirshton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with the motion graphic artist, Rebecca Burdell, and the true story of Isadora Duncan, the founder of Modern Dance. Announcements. So I've got some classes coming up at the Indianapolis Art Center. I will be doing um, an abstract painting class, sky painting class, which is always popular, and then my advanced um, advanced painting class. These are all happening in the fall of 2016. <laughs> I almost said 2017. <laughs> We're still in 2016. Um, I'm happy to announce that in September, I will be at the Art and Soul Retreat in Virginia Beach, where I'll be doing a two-day workshop on Victorian flower painting, as well as a one-day workshop on the secret language of symbols. Love to see you there. To Receive any registration information about upcoming classes I've got or to receive these podcasts straight to your inbox, I invite you to to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter at azurefineart.com. A couple of cool things that have happened in my life lately. I have a painting that's up at the Indianapolis Art Museum, the IMA, and it is part of a show on Indiana artists. My student, who is an elementary age student, and I were both um, featured, and it's at the very end of the Indiana exhibit, currently at the IMA, I think through December. So if you're local, I'd love to see you uh, go down there and give me your thoughts on that painting that's up there. It's of of a spot here in Indy where there's a bridge and you know any time of year you go it's just gorgeous with the water flowing underneath it from the canal and the reflections and it's one of my favorite places to go so I'm very honored to have that painting up in that exhibit and I also have um, a book just came out it's International Contemporary Artist, and the volume is volume 11, and I have a page where inside it, my work is featured, so that was a great honor as well. So now let's talk about our artist of the day. So the artist I'm going to be interviewing is Rebecca Burdell. 
She is a, a very interesting, exciting, creative person. I met her last year through her father, who is a really nice guy who lives here in Indy and follows my artwork. And I had heard that she was having trouble because she had been working as a designer and wasn't sure what to do next. And she and I met for lunch and had a great time. And I instantly fell in love with her because she's so awesome. But what she's done throughout her career is she focused on motion design. And so she did a lot of commercials. So she did, you know, like an Obama campaign commercial and you know, lots of different products and things. And she was living in LA. And then last year she made the decision to move to New Mexico. And she's been focusing more on her gouache, acrylic, and ink paintings. And she's finding a lot of inspiration being in the Southwest. And her motion picture doodlings, if you will, are just really fun and cool. And so I welcome you to go to her website, which is RebeccaBurdell.com. So that's R-E-B-E-C-C-A-B-E-R-D-E-L.com. And now without further ado, here's my interview with Rebecca Burdell. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> lovely, lovely. What's the story of how you became an artist? Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, <laughs> I feel I feel like I kind of was always making stuff as a kid. Our house always had like tons of just materials. Like my mom was the Girl Scout leader. So we always had like, you know, felt and glue guns and googly eyes and paints and, you know, just like every material that a kid could want and mm -hmm. um they were they were all educators so <laughs> school school was like the big deal right so if I ever like wanted some material all I had to say was like oh it's for a school project right. and and uh I really just I think every opportunity I got growing up to like turn a school project into an art project <laughs> <laughs> you took I, it. <laughs> I, I took that. And you, you know, of course teachers loved it too. So it's like, yeah, sure, Rebecca, you can turn that into a illustrated book with chalk or something, you know, just super super random stuff, but it was uh just always fun to make stuff. I don't know that I had like I don't know that I ever consciously chose it. It was just kind of always there. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so can you explain how you got into your graphic design and the commercials and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, so as I was, you know, looking at colleges and I knew I wanted to go to art school and um my dad was kinda like, But you know, you can do anything you want, but check the market, like see what mm -hmm. you know, see what jobs are out there for what you want to study. And I was looking, I was looking pretty intensely at graphic design. I always loved typography and letters. Like I could just play with letters all day. And I was like, I just love this stuff. This is great. You know, all those sort of classic graphic designers from the sixties and seventies, just like 
so inspiring to me. And so I get this book, on, this is what, the late 90s, and I get this book on graphic design, and it's like, the market is saturated. <laughs> I'm like, there's a billion graphic designers. So I was like, well, maybe this isn't the smartest avenue to go down. And I just happened to make, my, bro- my older brother was really into video, and he had like a video camera. And I ended up making a film with a friend in high school. You know, it was just kind of this quirky little thing. In retrospect, it actually has like a little trick in it, like a visual trick, which is sort of what I do now. Like most of motion graphics is visual tricks. (laughs) But uh, that so that film, you know, we submitted it to a couple little like scholarship things and it won. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I should go to film school. Cool. So I ended up at film school and um, I was I call myself like the worst film student ever because everyone that was there, you know, knows all these classic directors and like my passion had been art and design. So like I could like go deep on, you know, painting or design stuff. But when it comes to like the actual world of film, I was kind of uh, I get just kind of like didn't didn't know the history really as much as my peers maybe or okay. wasn't, wasn't as deeply invested in it, but it okay. but it was fun and I really enjoyed making films and I ended up uh, concentrating on editing sort of post production and the very very end of college I took one class on motion graphics. I was like, oh, <laughs> this yeah. is everything. This is everything. I, this is the graphic design that I was, you know, passionate about when I was in high school. Yeah. But it moves. It It is animation effectively, right? And so um, I was in Chicago in the time, which is basically marketing, advertising, you know, if you want commercial work. So I was able to just get little bits of jobs doing little graphic stuff, you know, like animating type or, you know, making this concept that you can't quite articulate in straight video and, you know, sort of animate and illustrate it. And, uh, it, you know, it just sometimes in life, like, the stuff just comes together and that's the stuff that came together for me. I think ultimately it became really a really fun combination of the things that I love and I was able to make a living at it. So that was cool too. <laughs> always good. Always good to put food on the table. It's a beautiful thing. It's it a- is a beautiful thing. <laughs> so when you're creating a, um, a graphic motion piece Mm -hmm. how is that process different than regular drawing as far as your brainstorming goes or um do you like one art form over another yeah they're (laughs) they are radically different yeah i see i think um i came to a point maybe just in the last couple years, maybe just in the last year, where I thought 
the motion graphics stuff was fulfilling my art quota. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. Like, you know, that thing in you that just has to make stuff, right? I was like, oh, right. I'm making stuff. I'm making stuff on my computer, but I'm making stuff. And yeah. I had kind of stopped painting. I painted a lot in high school as well. There was, a, there was typography in my painting. <laughs> but yeah. I, but I loved, you know, just moving colors around with a brush. Like, it's just so satisfying. And mm -hmm. I stopped doing that for at least, who knows why you stopped, right? But, like, four or five years, I just didn't paint at all. Okay. And I had really burnt myself out on the graphics. Like, I, when you're sort of an independent person and people come to you and they're like, oh, we'd like to give you money if you make this thing and you're like, of course I would like money. To make this sure. Thing. Sure. So I just kept saying yes and yes and yes and really overcommitting myself. And yeah. I, I hit a burn. I, I hit a couple burnouts. I like, I hit one burnout, I think in 2012. Okay. I didn't really fully give myself recovery. And then I really burned out in, 2014 and I was like oh yeah. god <laughs> yeah I have to take I have to take sort of a a dramatic step back and really evaluate like oh sweetie <laughs> yeah yeah I remember that <laughs> like there's a there's a point of balance that you're not quite hitting and what is yeah. that and like luckily because I had taken on these big jobs I had a little bit of money to sort of like take a pause and sure and, and that in itself is a very fortunate thing. Like not everybody can take a pause in their life and just be like, time out. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's going on here? What do I really need to address? And I just, I just started painting. I was painting every single day mm -hmm. and it was, it was like, Oh, you know, the sort of like the clouds parted. You're like, and, and in one sense, it was like, duh, Rebecca, <laughs> like, of, like, of course, this is the thing that you needed to do. But yeah, because I think because it had all of that sort of emotional buildup mm -hmm. it became so much clearer. I, was, like, I never felt I had never felt in my, in my life such a point of clarity of like, this is a thing that you have to do. Like, this is, you can't not do this. Like, this isn't a frivolous, fun, goofy time. It is, yeah. it is fun, goofy time. It does, like, I do think the core of it, of creativity, is to be in the space of play and playfulness. And I love yes. goofing around. Like, I want my creativity to come from that playful place. Yes. But, it, but it also, like, it's really important. I can't, I can't. Uh, not take it seriously, I guess, on, on a certain level. Okay. Okay. So yes. I have, I have two questions for you. And the, the right. first is, are you feeling that you have reached a place of balance? And if so, are there any tricks that helped you in particular to, you know, maybe say no more or to schedule your time differently so that you will be more in balance in the future? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It took a lot of steps. I actually, I, I realized that being in Los Angeles, which is 
incredible and inspiring. And I have so many talented creative friends there making amazing work, but it was just stressing me out. Like being in the intensity of humanity and traffic and small, like that whole, I was like, I think I have to go. I think LA like isn't the place for me right now. And I ended up finding this live workspace in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lovely like little it's you know, it's a quiet town, but it's super connected to the arts and there's yeah. like I say you can like throw a rock here and hit a painter. Like <laughs> there's just so many people making good stuff here in Santa Fe and it's chill and it's quiet and uh I I think I realized I need a lot of quiet time Mm -hmm. a lot of I don't know if solitude's the right word but to really get to the core of like what I want to create I have to turn off the noise yeah (laughs) and it was really like I just I wanted to do that in LA and I just couldn't quite like get all the pieces together. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I might not be here in Santa Fe forever, but for right now, like I have a space like to me, just having this space to make the stuff that you want to make is like step number one. Yeah. (laughs) If I can just get this and I feel like now, I really have a space where I can get some quiet and some peace and I'm still surrounded. Like I'm still stimulated by arts and culture, maybe not as much good juicy stuff as LA has to offer, but still like a really healthy community here and fresh air. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of nature time. Like nature is really, really crucial to uh, balancing it all out. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah, so. Okay. But, okay. yeah. So now I have another question, and this, it, it goes back to an argument I was having with a friend the other day. Okay. And the way you answered this just might, you know, it, it might show that I have won, or it might show that he won, but at any rate. <laughs> um, so we were watching a soccer game and there was a TV commercial on uh-huh. and this friend said, Oh, that was great. Oh, what artistry in their creating of the commercial. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, what? It's just a stupid commercial for a beer or whatever it was. And, and, um, and I argued, I said, well, I don't think you can count a commercial as an art form. And it's <laughs> not in my statement of that. <laughs> Very well could be, but my argument was, well, the the number one reason the person is making it is to promote their product to sell. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if I make a painting that has, you know, a, a very sacred message behind it and a drive behind it, mm-hmm. um, and I compared it to, you know, the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> this is a divine work that we just can't say is the same thing as a commercial. Um, And then the friend was like, well, but you know, (laughs) Michelangelo got paid for this. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It was a commercial. It was paid, but 
I just don't think they're the same beast. Um, and and then we we kind of took it on another tangent, and I said, well, maybe commercials are an art form because it's just a matter of its creative process, and you've used your imagination to come up with something new, and that's awesome. But what is good art versus what is just fleeting and is going to be gone tomorrow? Yeah. That could be the next part of the discussion. But this, my my question for you is, what are your thoughts on um, whether a commercial can count as art or not? <laughs> <laughs> I love this question. Um, it's so funny. Uh, I I have, of course, a complex relationship with the commercial world. <laughs> sure. Uh, but I love your friend's point. Like, yeah, the, it was a commission. He was paid to paint the Sistine Chapel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and in a certain sense, he was given a brief, right? Like he was given, was, was he given carte blanche? Or could he just... I don't know. Make I'm it pretty. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think in... When I first started out, when I first left college, I was like, yo, I am not concerned with selling out. Like I would love to pay my rent. I would love to buy groceries. Like I was just like th these ideas of like purity to me right. were, were silly and goofy. And I was yeah. like, doesn't matter. Like you can't, you can't make good art if you're starving. You can't be in your creative space if you're, if you can't even like, if you're just treading water. So, yeah. so making sure that you're in a comfortable place <laughs> is like a foundation point from breaking off. But mm -hmm. yes, once you're in the commercial world and it's about money and it's about selling a product, I think, I think there are incredibly just like, mind-blowing I do sometimes I will see something and maybe it's a commercial and you're just like oh my god I can see the craftsmanship like I yeah. know what went into it yeah. mad mad respect mad respect and uh I think uh, it's it's a hard one it, you're not for me personally what I wasn't getting out of that work, right? I could make something beautiful. And even if it was for like an organization I believed in, like a nonprofit job or whatever, you know, a good message, like something I, I truly am behind mm -hmm. and I feel proud to put out there, it's still not getting at the core of what, what is that thing inside of me that needs to be expressed? Cause that's right. 40 times deeper. Like right. to, to take a, a commercial brief and make it beautiful and communicate the message clearly. That is, I won't say that's not an art form. I think it is a certain level art form, but the personal work like of a, a painting or, or just something that's purely for the joy of expression. Right. It's just, deeper it's just a deeper kind of art and it's for me the satisfaction of one to the other is you, maybe it's apples and oranges or, <laughs> or maybe mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. really is like you know one puts food on the table and one like 
fills your soul, you know? Right. Right. Both of those, we need both of those things. You, you have to feed yourself, but you have to feed your soul. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, I'm thinking uh, not so much of commercials at the moment, but of the painting world and galleries, you know, one problem that we run into is that the gallery owners want for you to create things that they know will sell. It's something, okay, this is a guarantee (laughs) and then we'll all have food on the table. And that that's awesome. But at the same time, if we don't leave some room for innovation and experimentation and um, expressing something a little deeper, then we're just going to stagnate and stay in the same place and create the same thing over and over. And you, you want to leave room for that breath of fresh air. And so I kind of play a game with myself where I might, I might say, okay, this one, you know, I know people love when I paint the sky, you know, at sunset and I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to let it be that. And then the next one is more uh, ethereal or more, um, there really is a, a message behind it that's, that's deeper. And if nobody likes it now, but Right. Or, or ever, it doesn't matter because I have to just allow myself to kind of switch it up and say, okay, this one, it might fall flat on its face and nobody will ever, it'll ever speak to them because it's an experimentation, but I'm going to just go for it and just do, just totally let go of what I think will um, be successful monetarily. So important. Yeah. So important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't connect that. It took me years to realize, I think there was a point in my mid twenties where I was like, maybe I could make some paintings that people would buy. And then yeah. <laughs> I like set up an Etsy store or something. Right. And no, okay. and, and it was cute and people liked them, but like no one bought them. And, okay. and, and I think years before I realized not the point, Right. Like outside approval, someone loving it, someone in being in that just it's beautiful if that happens, but not the point, like the satisfaction of just making something because you are compelled to make it, making yeah. it for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because then you, it, it's, you know, you really have to, the motive then, uh, well, that gets back to the commercial thing, right? Is is a commercial motive necessarily corrupting the art? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not, but having no motive other than like the joy of making or the thing or letting the thing come out that needs to come out. Right. Like that is, that's it's completely outside of, uh, the need to sell or the need, you know, the need, the need to make a profit of, off of this, off of this art. It's lovely when it happens, but yeah, I'm definitely trying to give myself a lot of space right now to just make silly stuff, make (laughs) not just silly, but like you just, there's no, there's no motive. There's no end game. I don't, I'm not trying to, sell it I'm just trying to honestly I'm just trying to get closer to what I want to say because I kind of have no idea (laughs) okay okay yeah yeah right on yeah I I totally get that um okay so what advice would you give to your younger artist self 
Ooh, the younger artist. <laughs> I think I I think about this all the time, actually. <laughs> like, I could go back in time and give myself a cheat sheet, but I don't know. Other than the burnout thing, like I, <laughs> I, I can I can push something really too hard, right? I, okay. me personally, I can try and force something. I think what I've learned with time is like the things that are gonna work. It's not hard. Like, okay, <laughs> the stuff that's the the things in life that I think you really are I don't believe in destiny per se but I do think there's like some structure yeah and well I guess one of some women I forget who it was exactly but she was like you know life's kind of like a GPS and you get off course you take a wrong turn it calibrates it just you know the GPS like it brings you back to the I love that as a metaphor it's like those things that like those core things that, that you're moving towards in your life, whether you know it or not, like, you don't have to, I, I, you don't have to, like, force it and squeeze it and push yeah. it, like, yeah. yeah, letting it happen, yeah, letting, mm-hmm. letting the stuff, like, letting it be not easy in the sense of, I didn't put any effort, but easy and, like, oh, I didn't have to like fight and push yes. and stress. Like there's, there's, there's hard work, but yeah. But, but then I think like, if I went back and told myself that in my early twenties, I don't think I would have done anything. <laughs> <laughs> like I know what I'm doing guys. In life, you really just have to like, you just have to make those. Yeah, giant flubs like the giant flubs are what leads you to the good stuff eventually (laughs) yeah yeah so so I say you know (laughs) awesome yeah I've had several times um in my life where I've created a painting and it just flowed it just you know it just it came out really quickly it just boom it was there yeah and Yes, it was a combination of all that I had, uh, uh, you know, nothing comes from nothing. You know, it, if I've yeah. been working at paintings for a year, just every day I'm painting, every day I'm painting. And then um, and uh, there's a lot of struggle and there's a lot of learning. And then all of that learning just comes together and all the pieces fit into the puzzle in this painting. Boom. Um, there's this, there's just these certain projects that they do come together really easily and maybe it's because I've learned enough mm-hmm. that now I've gotten to that point where it's going to be more easily successful but then others I think well you know it's just for some reason this topic this it just flowed easily mm-hmm. and and we shouldn't be um you know swimming upstream we should going with the stream and with the <laughs> flow and if it's too hard then maybe it's the wrong thing um I, I have this great example where I um when I was a kid I took piano oh yeah and, um you know and I worked a lot at that for years and years and I got pretty good I mean there were certain songs I could do with my eyes closed but it was always a bit of a struggle and then when I was in my early 20s I picked up a violin mm. and it was just so much easier it was just an easier instrument for me okay. um and so I think that sometimes if it's too much of a struggle, it might be because 
you have the wrong instrument. Mm. And then on, to play devil's advocate, a lot of times, <laughs> if it's a struggle, you just have to keep going, keep going, keep going until you have that breakthrough and right. suddenly it's easy and suddenly you're able to say what you want to say with it. I love that. I love, I, I, I too was like a flunky piano student. <laughs> I, took, I took six years of lessons as a kid. And by the way, I still love the piano. Like it's a beautiful instrument, but I'm just like, that is not my place. Like that is not my, <laughs> that is not where I have a strength for sure. Yeah. yeah. Ah, these little fingers just don't want to, oh man. But no, the, the, it's a constant struggle. And I'm always thinking like, is this hard because I need to push through and learn something? Or is this hard because this is a cuckoo bananas idea? <laughs> you have Like it's just way out of your, you know, zone of, of, I don't want to say expertise, but like, you know, the, the stuff that like is your, the perfect example, I guess, is have you have you heard of this book Flow by I always botch his name, Miley Chickson Miley, I think. I've heard of it. I have not read it. And he had it, the best part of the book is just this chart, right? It's a it's a graph and there's the vertical arm is is sort of like challenge and then the lateral arm is skill or one of those vice versa right so one arm is challenge one arm is skill okay and so if you have a little bit of challenge and only and it's only using a little bit of your skills that you're good at then you're bored you're in apathy right yeah but if it's too but if there's too much challenge yeah. And there's, n and you don't have enough skill. You're in anxiety. It's too, you don't, you don't have, you're not prepared. Like, yay challenge, but I don't have the skills to match it. You just, right. You just freak out. Wow. And on the other end, you know, if you, if you're uber qualified, but there's no challenge, uh, you know, lots of skill, but no challenge. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> but what he defines flow this idea of being in a state of flow, this ideal place where time falls away. Yes. As being this perfect, this perfect point where your skills are met with an appropriate challenge. And yes. so you're pushing yourself in a place where you're already kind of like, this is your sweet spot. <laughs> yes. I love, I just love, like, I'm always thinking about that chart when I'm, when I'm in something that's not working. I was like, am I bored or is this too hard? Am I trying, like, am I trying to do something that's too technically and it's like stressing me out because I'm trying to yeah. be too ambitious. Yeah. So, so I, I just love that uh, <laughs> chart, that spectrum and try, yes. you know, trying to, trying to find your flow space it's it's yeah. sometimes elusive but when you when you're there you're like oh yeah I'm totally in a groove this is it this is the group <laughs> I just want to stay here don't go down son <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I love I love when you get in the groove and time falls away and definitely a good place to strive for so what big projects do you have in the works for the future What's going on right now? But, uh, speaking of challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so funny, funny enough, 
I, um, I think what I am setting up for the winter is to work on some stop motion stuff. And have you seen this? Uh, it's just a trailer yet, but the trailer for, um, I think it's called Loving Vincent. Is it Loving Vincent? Or it's yes. The, it's the feature film made entirely of paint, like oil paintings. And, uh, you know, Vincent van Gogh and sort of telling the story of his life. And it's just, you can only see the trailer yet, but it's just like mesmerizing yeah. <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, it's so beautiful and it's moving. A painting come to life. Like, it's just fascinating to me so I've been thinking more and of course there's like a team of you know 60 painters working on this with you know a lot of a lot of uh organizational structure and experience (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm like okay Rebecca this is fascinating this is compelling how can you begin at the simplest simplest but like you can't dive into something that complex but I'm lit up by it right like I'm I'm like oh that's something I want to like figure out how to do or how to get into that so I I just bought this textbook actually called fluid frames and it's all about experimental experimental animation okay and for me, I think ultimately I would love to get to a place where I could paint over time and it creates animation, but that's like super advanced. Yeah. <laughs> well, but just... you are doing that. You, your little fun clips that I've been seeing, I, I think you've got some on Instagram and stuff. That yeah. You're starting that process. I can see it happening. I'm, I'm messing around with it. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I, I made, yeah, I made some videos where I just like stuck my iPhone over my work table yes. and I was like I'm just gonna sit down and paint and see what comes out yeah and I don't you know I don't think the end result of any of those videos were like blowing my mind mm-hmm. but people love seeing the process they just yes. like seeing the time pass and how a work of art evolves and uh yeah, so I'm like I'm messing around with that. I think I just I just actually finished some stuff where I like I have a little, tiny little cheap light table, and like I I don't know if you've seen these where women like I don't I don't know if it's mostly women, but I have seen <laughs> people uh, animating with sand over a light table, and you know sometimes oh. they like shoot it with their hands and they're like moving the sand around and the light from under the table is illuminating the negative space. Okay. I've not seen that. Just, you know, Google sand animation or whatever, but, but that, that's sort of like the smallest nugget I figured out. Once I read this book and I went through it, I was like, okay, this sort of like the easiest, quickest nugget of stop motion animation is putting, I just used, coffee grounds actually you <laughs> <laughs> use what you got what, part of, what particular matter do I have in abundance in my house coffee, <laughs> coffee grounds uh it might have been a little intense on the smell side but I was like you know you just start like drawing it's such a 
it's such a playful like child like it feels very like I'm in kindergarten right I'm just like drawing with my fingers in a mound of coffee ground like it's silly but it was super fun and uh yeah I'm I'm what I'm I guess what I'm grateful for in this time that I spent in the commercial world and motion graphic world is then I can I have all the finishing skills like I can I can take that and then put it in After Effects and increase the contrast and figure out the timing and you know I can like I can like kind of tweak the technical side without much thought Mm -hmm. but the but the joy is in like just making a mess (laughs) (laughs) with a camera overhead awesome yeah so that's what I it's it's you have to control the light for it so I'm thinking I'll do it in the winter when it's darker right now like my place is really sunny so it you know it messes up the exposure if you have the sun moving through your shot but uh yeah that's what I am hoping to get into this this winter this fall make something yeah yeah exciting exciting yeah all right, so I can't believe we're here we are at our last question, and that is, what is your favorite art book or story? It could be a personal story, or it could be, you know, it really could be anything. Yeah, um, I this is a hard one. I uh, I always say I suck at superlatives, but <laughs> um, I did what came to me was the documentary Cutie and the Boxer. Have you seen this? No, I have not. You haven't. Cutie and the Boxer. So it's a story of a couple in, they're mostly living in New York City. And um, I don't want to give it away, but their dynamic is just hilarious. He's, I think he's 20 years her senior. And he's sort of like this successful artist, right? But he's also like a mess, like an alcoholic. And, you know, like he's just sort of like stumbled his way through his like, art career and some and like made a name for himself and like is you know it's it's good but she has sort of like quietly been like supportive wife and has had her like little nugget of of art of her own art Mm -hmm. that she has been working on and and the documentary hits sort of right at this point where she's starting to come into her own okay (laughs) And they, you know, they kind of have this really feisty relationship. Okay. (laughs) But she's like, you know, she's like, it's very much a a feminist story of like, you know, I think women, we can, it's so easy to just sort of like play sidekick. I I notice myself Mm -hmm. doing it sometimes, like falling in behind the guy or you know it's the same thing with a client you're like oh I'm just gonna be second fiddle and and in the in the story is really like she's at this point in her life who's like nope I have a story to tell I have my own story I don't I don't actually need to uh yeah it's not that she doesn't need them there's clearly this like sweet love between them that's Uh That's mm-hmm. also like really enjoyable, but uh, yeah, I just she she eventually you know like puts on her first solo show or whatever, and it's uh, 
it's just a great story. It's really well shot and it's really well edited. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Rebecca Verdell, you are so awesome. And thank Aww, you thanks. so much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with us. I knew it would be awesome. And of course my it was. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> and now for our story of the day. Isadora Duncan, the founder of Modern Dance. Isadora Duncan started dancing at a very young age. At age six, she offered dance classes to her fellow neighborhood children for pocket change. She continued learning and teaching. When she became an adult, she moved from California to New York City. She worked there in professional dance troupes. Duncan found the restrictive methods of traditional dance to be too oppressive for her tastes, however. She preferred to dance without the point shoes and corsets that a ballerina had to wear. She wanted for her body to be able to move about naturally. Inspired by the waves in the ocean, she wanted her arms to move fluidly. Most importantly, she preferred to dance improvisationally without a preset combination of steps. Moving to London in 1898, Duncan found that the European audiences were much more receptive to her style of dance. Gradually, she gained a following. In 1902, she started touring the globe, performing in many different countries. She started schools of dance, teaching many students her influential new style. Tragedy struck in 1913, when both of her children drowned in a car accident. This event tainted the rest of her life. In 1927, at the age of 50, she also died in an accident when her long scarf got caught in the wheel of a car. Oof. While Isadora Duncan's story ended sadly, her influence on the development of dance was profound. Her rebellious nature paved the way for new techniques and styles. She's considered to be the founder of modern dance. My thoughts on this story. Um, I think the most important takeaway from Isadora Duncan's life is how she was able to break the traditional trends and develop something new. She didn't like the ballet shoes, so she just took them off. And, you know, she, she took an idea, you know, being inspired by the waves of the ocean and movement and fluidity, and she took it a step further. How can I incorporate this into dance? How can I incorporate it into the art form that I'm doing? And so in letting go of the more traditional props that were required of a dancer at the time, she was able to just create a whole new art form. I mean, we consider modern dance to almost be to be to be a separate a separate technique than ballet traditional ballet because it's less formulaic it doesn't have the shoes it it's a whole new animal if you are intrigued by Isadora Duncan's story i recommend reading her autobiography which was called my life this story and many others are available in my book the alchemy of art stories for the classroom this concludes our Alchemy of Art 
podcast for today. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.